We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up the Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We're pumped to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show from Blue Wire Studios. It's a brand new thing. Uh, comes Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends. This is pretty sweet. Narrow, narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly. Each Monday, two new episodes will take a look into some of the score, soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. From Haaland, hopefully I'm saying that right, Zlatan, Zlatan, <laughs> Zlatan, uh, Messi, uh, Rapino. God, I am butchering all of these and many more. Uh, episodes will focus in on the historical pr- plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after the episode. Listen to Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends, wherever you get your podcast. You want you want a good you want a good story here. So I've seen Zlatan live when he played for AC Milan. So, um, you know, my family uh, immigrated from Iran post revolution, and so I have families dispersed all over, not all over the world, but in various places. Um, and so I have a cousin uh, who lives in Milan. He's he's half Persian, half Italian, and none of this is relevant other than you know he took me to a AC Milan game in 2011. And so Zlatan is, I'm trying to think of an NBA comp for people who, uh, who don't watch soccer. Like he's, is he good? Cause I really don't know anything. Is he, Oh good? yeah. Top. I mean, 
basically Ronaldo and Messi are the only players who could claim to have been better than him over the last decade, like for sure better than him, right? So he's, oh, wow. he's damn good. And he's cocky and he's, he's comedy. Um, he's got a little LeBron vibe to him, but uh, you know I'm not going to give him that comp because <laughs> Ronaldo and Messi are better than him. LeBron's not the third best player of the, right, of the decade, right, right. right? Anyway, he, he has a – so on the one hand, his team has won league every year for like a decade straight. Wow. On the other hand, they always lose in the playoffs. Hence oh, he's LeBron, James Harden. The LeBron comparison. No, yeah. yeah, that's right. And that's he's right. got that's kind right. of – he has kind of the style where the skill is undeniable. The, like the highlight plays are undeniable, but he's also kind of difficult to play with, and everything oh. has to be on his terms. Okay. Um, you know the type I'm getting at. All this goes to – so I go to this AC Milan game. He's objectively their best player. They're about to win league, um, or they're – they're in pole position to win league. And this is like the home stretch of the season. If it was baseball, this would be like a September game in the pennant race where you're up a couple of years. Right. He proceeds to spend 70 minutes walking around yelling at his teammates for not passing him the ball and then gets ejected for punching a defender. (laughs) And I'm, and I was sitting I had good seats. I'm like, how often am I ever going to go to the San right. Siro, like this type of game? Like, no, I'm putting, I'm, I'm paying like a couple hundred bucks to get as close as I can. Ooh. And it's just comedy because uh, I'm like, you know, kind of in line with the box. So for a striker, as he's standing there, I can like see everything he's doing. And it's just, it's <laughs> just zero effort while blaming your teammates for not getting you the ball was killing me. So, God, he's that, that. By the way, that's Draymond in a nutshell uh, this season. Just yelling at his teammates and then punching someone and then getting kicked out of the game mid-game for no reason, just because he didn't want to be there. By the way, Zlatan is thirty-eight, huh? So he was. Yeah, I mean his his peak was like oh oh seven to fourteen fifteen. So, damn. I guess I really only know. Oh, because I only watched the World Cup, so I only know. I know that guy from Germany. What's that? That super famous guy from Germany. That's really good. That's all I got for you. Um, and then Messi Ronaldo and that, that, that's it. Yeah. It's a uh, Netherlands. Maybe I know a guy from the Netherlands. That's really good. I think those, those two, I don't even know the names of these I mean, guys. they all change. I was very into watching every weekend, like a decade ago. I still watch, but like not with like the religious fervor I watched in like Oh seven, Oh eight, Oh nine, that sort of thing. Uh, none of that matters. The point is, um, it was hilarious for me because like if you go watch when they play uh, those friendly matches in the U S like those tour matches, like it's fun, but it's not like the competitive environment of like, no, they need to win this game or they're going to be only one game up on winning the league title. You know, like when you watch a game with stakes, you you know, the difference, you know, it's like Steph's fun to watch in any game, but watching him in a game with stakes objectively feels different. Yeah. I was, uh, I, by the way, I think his name is Uz, Uzil. I think Masut Uzil. I think his name is, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, butchering it left and right. Um, I was Mesut Ozil. Yeah, yeah, that's my guy. He's good. Yeah, he's, that's all I know. Uh, yeah, my buddies we were talking about the NBA Finals the other day, and uh, and I was telling them, yeah, like these, there's nothing better than watching these guys with stakes. Also, also when you watch these guys in the NBA Finals, man, they get nervous. Like you remember yeah. watching Steph and LeBron, and we talked about this before, McClay, like. These guys get nervous, even though they're the best in the, the best in the world. 
and you see well, it's just overthinking out. individual possessions what it comes down to they don't play yeah. as free as they're used to actually that reminds me 2015 finals i saw no 2016 finals game two i saw neymar courtside and i was kind of got down near him and it was comedy to me because the dude wanted to watch Steph warm up so badly and he also wanted to watch LeBron, but it was like, he was like, you know, he's one of the three or four most famous soccer players on earth. At that point, everyone thought he was going to be the best player. You know, he didn't quite surpass Messi or Ronaldo or anything. Like that. He's still great. Right. And I've heard of him. He has just an army of security around him. He's like five, eight. So he's <laughs> tiny. And he just looks like a little kid. How excited he is to watch like Steph hit all these shots. Ah, see, look at that transcending sports. Uh, soccer much bigger too because they're global. Uh, yeah, I know because my dad likes soccer. And it's like, I think I, I think part of the reason Steph has more um, cachet internationally is because he kind of plays basketball like a soccer player. Like soccer cultures tend to respect skill level more than physical force. There's a lot more like look what he can do with the ball. It's also like a reason Kyrie is loved globally probably more than his reputation probably more than he has accomplished as a player because like i mean the things he can do with the ball particularly he's on particularly what he has done it it's it, it if you're if you're a soccer culture you value more like ball control dribbling ability to place the ball wherever you want more than like a physical brutish thing yeah um also kind of the the myth not the myth of kobe but one of the legends of kobe is that he had the best footwork in the nba the best skill in the yeah. NBA, despite being extremely athletic. So, yeah, I think that the thing with Steph um, uh, is that he is, I think his skill is actually underrated. I, I, it's just not talked about enough the way I mean, he that he the, can He hit. has the best touch. He always talks about touch, but it is probably the most important thing. Like, he adjusts quicker than anyone in terms of he may shoot poorly for, like, two games in a row, but he's not going to go in a prolonged, like, 20-game slump. Like, if a defense is playing him different, he's going to adjust and figure out the angle quicker than, you know, someone with worse touch than him. That stuff is like, it, look, I'm not, we're not like basketball geniuses, but that stuff, because we're Warriors fans, you notice that. Um, and, you, and, and people that don't watch the Warriors and just kind of think like, hey, Steph can do, only do this, this, and this. It's like the guy, like, he's not the smartest player in the league, but he is right up there. It's like a lot of times it's like this, this Trey Young, Sam shit that I've been seeing lately. It's just like, that's the easy comparison. Even I've thrown out the Trey Young comparison to Steph Curry. And it's the differences are so enormous, just enormous from the, from the way that you can play with Steph versus the way that guys are playing with Trey. That's number one. Right. And that goes for on and off the ball. Yeah. Right? That's like that. And then the skill level, the way that Steph plays defense versus the fact that Trey Young doesn't even forget even defense, the way Steph moves off ball and yeah. gets his teammates involved and understands how he can affect the game without touching the ball is something very few players do. Like I see Kemba doing it in Boston and Kemba's figured out how to do it pretty well, but he's, he's not Steph, you know? Right. Um, it all comes back to the purpose of the game is to win, not to inflate your stats. So what you going to do? Is that a Zlatan? Um, uh, by the way, is that a Zlatan? Uh, no, Zlatan's a winner. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's a great player, but um, not always the easiest to play behind. There's actually, if you really want to understand the soccer team who uh, 
who's most similar to the Kerr Warriors, you got to go to like the 08, 09 Barcelona team. Like th- that's recognized like the best ball movement team. And they won, I've read about that. They won the title. They played a style that no one thought you could win with because like who can pass like that, right? And then um, they signed Zlatan the following year. And the coach just gets fed up with how he won't buy into the system and they get rid of him. Uh, you, never made, you, ne- you never made this, you, Sam, you never thought to make this comparison. I've made this point many times. You, ne- you, didn't bring up, you didn't bring up the Zlatan point, though. You've made, you've made the Barcelona point. You never brought that point across. So, well, it's just, it's, it's um, you know, there, there are some people who criticize them for that because how are you not going to make it work with a guy as good as him? But they're like system, messy, above Zlatan. So there is a there is a little bit of a similarity. Um, I, I just can't make it because I like Zlatan too much. <laughs> well, okay. So did they win? Did they win after? They did. Well, there you go. Although there's, I would, there's your help. I wouldn't say that the Warriors chose uh, system over KD. I would say I would say they actually no, struck they a did. pretty good balance. I, w- I would say there was a pretty good balance overall. They don't, and um, it would be more like if. I don't know if there's a good comp for it, but oh, maybe Evans a soccer fan. No. <laughs> <laughs> and now we have a special guest this week. We have a uh, for for those of you who've been in the Warriors blogosphere for a while, you know Evan Z- Evan Zamir, uh, back from when blogging was fun <laughs> in the day, um, and one of my favorite people to gauge on the draft. Evan, how you doing? I'm doing good, guys. Hanging in there. Nice. Yeah. I mean, we're all kind of, uh, you know, dealing with quarantine or whatnot. It's Maybe still, some of us aren't. I mean, we, we all wear masks, but what? Yeah. Um, I wanted to get you on uh, because you have probably had the most uh, pointed comments on this draft. We should start with uh, most one, drafts. One, no one loves this draft. <laughs> right. It's, it's a total crapshoot. So I want to I start this. So uh, the last couple of weeks, the Israeli League resumed. And uh, Denny Azia has been kind of on fire recently, kind of living up to the hype that he was a shooter. It was kind of uh, undermentioned all year that for a shooter, he really wasn't making shots. And now he's starting to make shots. Uh, you brought up a good point, though, on his free throws. So can you just kind of explain uh, what your concerns are there? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, if you look at – Good shooters in the NBA, they're usually good free throw shooters. I mean, there are some historically that that weren't that good. Um, even going back to like Brandon Rush, he was actually a good three-point shooter, but a bad free throw shooter. Uh, if you go and look at, I haven't done this for, for Euro League stats, but if you look at the top shooters in the league, they almost always shot, you know, above 70%. I mean, at least, you know, usually 80% in college, let's say. And guys who shoot under 70%, under 60%, they're usually not going to be good three-point shooters. It's, historically, it's very unlikely. I'll tell you one guy who I, I'll point to as a counterexample. Um, so, so Abdia is shooting like 55% over, oh the last three, over the last three seasons. You know, Not good. And, one guy, if you go back and look historically, that actually became a good three-point shooter and, and a decent free-throw shooter is, is a Ariza, which was a really bad. So that's like the one example you could use, you know, 
I think there may be a few others, but I think of Parsons. He wasn't in there, huh? He didn't make it. Yeah. Well, I, I don't. I don't remember his stats, but uh, oh. I mean, there are a few counterexamples out there. But for the most part, you know, like the the threshold is like seventy percent. We talked about Fultz. Right. You know, yeah. I was gonna say Fultz was actually the one that got me to really start valuing free throw percentage because I wanted to believe so badly <laughs> that. Because, like, in college, you looked like some sort of hybrid of James Harden and Damian Lillard, which, you know, sounds like a number one overall pick to me in most years anyway. And he was hitting all those pull-up threes but not making any free throws. And, yeah, and that know, same year, Lonzo, you know, bad free throw shooter. Yeah. Um, I guess it was the year before Ingram was a really bad – now, he's actually come on. Right. Uh, you know, so maybe he'll be another good counterexample. Um, but you know, the thing is like, uh, I was telling Sam earlier on Twitter, even though Denny has a, you know, I, like, I think it's a red flag to be that bad a free throw shooter. And I've noticed that Schmitz will tweet his free throw lines when he does well, like if there's and, a game, and not when he doesn't, yeah, <laughs> when he doesn't shoot them and like, doesn't, doesn't put that in there, Classic. But, um, you know, because this draft isn't that really that talented. I mean, I, I still probably will have him top five just because of all the other things that he does. So I don't want to make that one issue. Like I can recognize that myself, that if a guy does pretty much everything else worthy of, you know, a, a top five spot and his free throw shooting, there's some mental stuff going on. I mean, you know, it's a risk, but like, this is a pretty bad draft. So maybe you just have to everyone play. in this draft is a risk. It's not like you're yeah. passing Zion for Denny. Right. So, I mean, every one of these players is going to have red flags. Um, so that's that's what it is. You you talked to Ethan Wade. By the way, um, uh, Evan talked to Ethan on The Athletic a few months back. It was like in mid-March, I want to say. Mid to late right, March. Right before the pandemic. Started. Yeah, right right before start. So I was curious if things had changed. Uh, I mean, you talked about Denny being your top five. I, I presume that's kind of fluid. Um, I think th- I did change some things because I think at I'm that sure. point I, I had Cole Anthony top five. Uh, that was actually – I was curious about that. So, yeah, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I've since moved down uh, again on him. He, he's moved. Uh, I've moved him up and down on my board like uh, a lot. Um, I still have Patrick Williams up there, Ooh. Uh, which is so. So he seems like is, draft Twitter's uh, sleeper guy that everyone's going to be like, "Why did he go 18? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a like a foregone conclusion that he's going to go out of the lottery. But uh, I, I think that's kind of crazy because he, he's just got too much going for him. So, so the Warriors like him. So talk about that a little bit. The Warriors do like him. I don't know about top five. Yeah, so, so what I would say is like there's two guys. So here's my, my draft strategy for the Warriors in a yeah. nutshell is basically that, you know, we have a 50% chance at getting the fifth pick. That's kind of what I'm expecting, right? 50-50 chance. Um, if we get the one or the two, I would probably just draft who I have on my board, which is uh, LaMelo and Edwards at two. If we get three or four at that point where I have Pat Williams and I have the Serbian kid, Pokashevsky, I would trade down. Like, I wouldn't take one of those guys that high. That would be crazy. Uh, I'd, you know, I'd really try to trade, trade down. Um, and even oh, if we oh. get number two, I think like the Marcus Smart trade, like if that's out there, is a trade I would do. I did it. You're I, talking I, about like Marcus Smart plus Boston's, what is it, 14 or like six, 16? So, I think 15. So like you could trade down and there's a I'm bunch of guys are going to be there at 15. Kyra Lewis, 
Pokashevsky, Pat Williams might be there, even Tyrell Terry. Like, there's going to be a lot of guys I like um, rather than taking Obi Toppin with the fifth pick or something. That's just my personal preference. So your, your, general, your general feeling is you probably going to get more bang for your buck and you might end up with the better player long-term anyway if you trade to that, like, I don't know, 12 to 5 or like 10 to 20 range. Something in there, like uh, 11 to 17 is what I said on Twitter. It's kind of the sweet spot. Um, yeah. I mean, that kind of matches. Anytime there's a bad draft, we know that's code for no one knows who to take in the top three, right? Which It's, it's that they may know. They, they may have guys they like, but because the, the hype isn't there uh, or the, the draft, um, the stock isn't there, they don't want to make that pick, you know? Um, Cleveland, yeah. Cleveland used to make weird picks like that, right? They took waiters, Bennett, and you know they right. they didn't always pan out. But you know, so why take a pick? Why reach for a guy? It's 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 sort of like it's it, people will see it as well, a yeah. reach, but he may be on your board. But uh, just trade down if you can. Right. I mean, um, we had Connor Laterno on last week, and he on the positive, he he was fairly confident the Warriors are not taking a big man. And they don't more more people in the organization than not don't value big men high in the draft. They think you should get someone with more versatility in that. Which music to our ears. Uh, but one player he mentioned that some people really like is like Sadiq Bay, mm. and they view him as maybe one of the five best players in this draft, which seemed insane to me. But there's also an awareness that you know he's probably going somewhere between again ten and twenty. Um, so if you really do think he's one of the three or four best prospects in this draft and you're not in love with anyone at, let's say, the number three pick, let's say you land at number three, uh, why wouldn't you trade down 10 spots and get an additional asset and get the guy you wanted without the, the pressure of saying, you, you know, you took a guy 12 guys ahead of his projected spot? Well, I'll tell you, like last year, you know, uh, Schlenk gave the, the sort of bad example of this where he traded up to get DeAndre Hunter, right, at four. Right. When probably he wouldn't have gone there. And then he took Cam Reddish, a very, in my opinion, a similar or better player at, at you know, at 10 or whatever, yeah, 10. Or eight or 10. Yeah. Why would you do that? Like, why would you take Sadiq Bey top five when you're the only team that's probably thinking of doing that? That, that would make – he's not my favorite player anyway, but, like, at least trade down if you're going to do that. Yeah, definitely. Um so you mentioned, I think you said earlier, if you had the number one pick and you you know, weren't moving off it, you you take Anthony Edwards. I would take I would take Ball. Okay. Yeah, we now, need the Lamelo analysis. Yeah, that that's yeah. What. Now I I now he's a guy I've moved up on too because I mean like like we said everybody has red flags right like the shooting is potentially a, an issue but I'm. I don't think like his percentages are bad, but uh, at least his free throw percentages are in the seventies. Um, he has this like one motion shot, which he can shoot really deep. So it hasn't been very consistent. And I, I know some people think it's a weird shot. I'm not right. that, that worried about it. Like, I, and I kind of, maybe you're not supposed to do this, but I kind of look at Lonzo and he's coming around with the shot. Yeah, 38. And Seems I kind of, I asked this, question to some guys on Twitter I'm like if you're LeVar Ball who do you think is the best of your sons and I think LeVar would say LaMelo so I'm thinking like you have a guy who handles better than Lonzo uh 
maybe shoots better. better attacking than him. Yeah. yeah, like shoots better arguably at the same stage, right? And so there's potential for better shooting. Uh, he's more athletic than people realize. He's super long. Um, you know, like like if he's better than Lonzo and in, in, in this draft, like I had Lonzo two on my board in that draft. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I, I have him in the a tier by himself, and then Edwards down like in another tier by himself, and then a bunch like fourteen guys in the next tier. Yeah, so that's why I'm saying like the top one. The if we get the one or two. I probably keep those picks unless there's some really good trade. Right. Um, but yeah, if it's that next tier, like it doesn't make sense to pick three to five when there's, there's, they're all the same caliber prospect. Basically. basically. Yeah. All right. Let's, um, let's, let's talk about Anthony Edwards then. Um, I was surprised. Peter is comp, by the way, Sam, before you just throw that out there. <laughs> and I saw that and I fucking just lost my mind. But anyway, go ahead. No, I've made that. I've made a similar comp. I, no, no, I, I, I'm reading it. I was reading. <laughs> I pulled it up and that's what I saw. Yeah. I mean, in, I'm not in waiters, you know, for all you want to say about waiters, like if he was a little bit better shooter and, you know, uh, you know, he's, he's an NBA. A few, a few less brownies. Player. Yeah. Yeah. Like in a bad <laughs> draft, if you got. Waiters top five, maybe you'll look back and he'll be a top five player in this draft. I don't know. Uh, like waiters on the Warriors, you're saying like if you threw him on today's Warriors, maybe yeah. that situation. Yeah, I mean, maybe. And, and you know, uh, I, I should say like the top four guys on my board are the four youngest guys in the draft. So that's one thing. Like I, I am biased towards youth. I'm not saying that's like random. But if you're going to like take a shot in this draft, like right. err on the side of youth, you know, Edwards is really young. Ball is young. Like my top four guys are all 18 right now. Um, you have Cole Anthony. who will be 20 or he may already be 20. Right. Um, they have more time to figure it out. Right. Sadiq Bay, I think is 21 or something. You know, it's like Pascal is already yep. 23 or 24. He's uh, on a second contract already. Actually. I, I, I know people like him a lot, but you know, he, he should be good. Like he's already, you know, much older than other guys who came in the league. So, um, yeah. What the Warriors like they like the uh, they like the the guys that you don't need to develop because they can't develop them. So, right, that's, uh, well, that's a different conversation. We got we got uh, Smiley Geach, the European Jordan. Yes, so. sir. Yes, sir. He's gonna be Your thoughts but on Smiley Geach. You, you would think as much as they like him that they probably like Pokashevsky too. Is my guess. Yeah, we so who is this guy? Who is this I'm guy? That to, you've, I might yeah. have to dig into him. I'm not, I'm not oh, gonna no, lie to you. How, he's yeah, very, who, who is this? You know, he's 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 Serbian. He plays for like. It's a very like low level Greek team, sort of like Giannis did. Um, but he's seven feet, very skinny. He's like two oh five, um, but he can really handle the ball like a point guard. Basically, passing is unbelievable, and he's literally the youngest guy in the draft. Like he, I think it's like he's a few days away from being ineligible for this draft. That's how young he is. Wow. Um, so yeah, like. There's no way he's going to be a top five pick, but if you could trade down and get him like end of the lottery or, or something, right? He's you know now maybe that's just not in the Warriors' plans like to develop another guy. Although they like Smiley, so that's they knew he was a guy to be developed, right? Maybe they don't want to do that two two years in a row. I don't know. But if you're taking it's a move, it's just going to be Steph, Clay, Draymond, and twelve Serbians who are eighteen. <laughs> yeah. They need to develop. I mean, you can't go wrong just taking a random Serbian, right? <laughs> Wow. Uh, yeah, Pokashevsky. If he if he was born six days later, he would not be eligible until twenty twenty one. So he is a, he is a real unicorn. Like people throw that word around, but like if he hits, 
like it's because he can basically do everything. He's a rim protector, uh, super high IQ, like some motor questions, but he, you know, he needs to work on his strength, stuff like that. But like the skills are off the charts. Um, so yeah, he's super intriguing. But, and like I said, like if you could work a trade down and get a Marcus smart and a Pokashevsky in a draft and like, and, and you trade the third or fourth pick, like that would be an ideal situation to me. Nice. Okay. I want to, I want to get one last question for you before. Oh, I, got, I, got, I got one after cause I'm curious okay. about this, but yeah, so we got two then. Um, uh, the name we've consistently heard with the Warriors is the most obvious fit for them, which is Terry Halliburton. He just screams the Steve Kerr player. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on him? <laughs> yeah, so I like Halliburton. I don't want to come off sounding like I don't like him. Like I think right. in that article with Ethan, I said I was pretty high on him, like around five or something like that. Yeah, that's yep. you've, you've been consistently like somewhere in that like four to eight range. And I was high on him his freshman year. Uh, he, I've always thought of him uh, sort of a little bit in the category of Alonzo, right. where, where the red flag for him last year was extremely low usage. It was like under 10%. And he increased that this year, but he still has major issues going to the rim, uh, probably because he needs to get a lot stronger. Um, but it's, He is quite skinny. But it's not clear with, like, with his body. There are people that think like he's just never going to – like people want to compare him to, to Gilgis Alexander. But right. I think that's that's not a good comp because even at Kentucky, Shea was incredibly good at driving to the rim. Ah, you know, okay. that was like his big thing. That's not Halliburton. You know, Halliburton is more like a weaker version of Lonzo in some sense. Maybe a, be- a better shooter, like a spot-up shooter, but not necessarily shooting off movement. He has kind of a funky shot also. Yeah, he does. It's, it's, uh, it's different, but it's like this weird set shot that you wonder if, if someone's contesting it, if he can get it off. I, I, by the way, I like the SGA comp, not, not for Halliburton, but for just like a player that was kind of underutilized or like people didn't really see late lottery kind of guy. Do you see that type of guy? Uh, or who, who, who is that type of guy? Yeah. So for me, that would be like a Patrick Williams. Um, uh, Tyrell Terry. I, I like Tyrell Terry. I mean, I, I don't know. You can really he, shoot. <laughs> I don't know that he's going to go that high. Like I, I, went to Stanford games for the first time forever just to watch him. Um, so yeah, I'm a super Terry fan. Uh, I, you know, I don't think he's going to go that high, but, um, but like I said, like Kyra, Kyra Lewis is another guy like late lottery. And even with the Warriors, like he might make some sense as having another guy like super fast, you know, uh, able to drive, which we never really have that, you know, I mean, Steph does it, but to have another guy who could attack the basket could be, really useful it, it would be beneficial for Steph to not be the only guy driving to contact every game right and and he can shoot um so you know that's a possibility I, I just think Halliburton is in a range of the draft where it's like first from a strategy standpoint would be kind of a mistake so like yes. you're just not getting the value it's not that I don't like him it's that I, I'm going for the guys I like that I could get lower and Halliburton if he's a top five pick like yeah, you could do it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go crazy like angsty against it, but I just would have rather seen him go, you know, take him lower, right, um, and just not have to be forced to make that. that and and that's and that's kind of the problem with this draft because like when Mox started coming out, he was sitting in that like, I don't know, late lotto range, and you're like, oh, that's a great value at number twelve or thirteen. Um, yeah. 
if you end up there, of course. And and now it's like, oh, you got to take him at like three or four overall. That's that's a different equation. Do you really want to do that? Say, same thing with like Obi Toppin, quite frankly. I think Okoro's another one that people um, want to take higher, like top five. Right. And I, I, I just wouldn't make that. Like he's, they, they want to ignore the fact that he often misses the rim completely when he shoots threes. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's a that's a position where you know he really does need well, to I really shoot. like him though. But yeah, I mean it's yeah it's one of those where it's like uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of questions that you wish you didn't have to ask for a top five pick, right? Um, and even like Wiseman, like I I, I they're not going to take a big you know like we keep saying pro- probably won't. But um, I like Wiseman probably more than some like like some draft Twitter people right. have gotten pretty low on him. I I'm still sort of. The overcorrection uh, has come. Has maybe, come yeah. In like, so I, I'd say, you know, behind Poku and Okongu, like he's the third big. I'd I, I take him ahead of Obi, but again, like I wouldn't take either of those guys if I can avoid it. You know, I'd try to trade down. I, I, I actually, I don't think the Warriors will. Who knows? But I don't think they will. But we'll get you out of here with this one because I am curious uh, as one of the smarter Warriors Twitter people on here, definitely not me. Um, what what do you view the Warriors? <laughs> what do you view the Warriors offseason to look like? What would be your dream realistically, using the trade exception, mid level exception, veteran men? Yeah, I mean, I guess I I don't exactly understand all the math, but uh, I'm sure you do. <laughs> I, I I've heard you know like Aaron Gordon and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I'm a fan of that one. I I think the problem is is you they're not going to pay they're not going to take all these contracts right. So so at the end of the day, like. It's going to be very hard to get rid of Wiggins unless you attach a number one pick. So right. either they would have to attach the pick this year or next year, and next year is a much better draft. And Minnesota probably won't be that great, so it'll, it could be a good pick. Um, I, like I said, the Marcus Smart thing makes sense if that's a trade that's available because Boston wants to dump him. Um, you know, Otherwise, I, I think they're looking at pretty – kind of a blah off season, like making, you know, Chris will be the center. And uh, I would try to re-sign Bender actually, like if that's a possibility. What would you be trying to, so let's take the star acquisition uh, out of the equation. Like, yes, if you can get Giannis, you will do it. This isn't a, you know, we don't have a deep conversation on that. Uh, What would you be looking just skill set wise to add to what they have on the roster right now? I mean, you know, they've, they, probably can just general skill level, you know, more shooting, more defense, right? They're getting older. Uh, it's kind of right. like the Spurs model. Like I, I would say like kind of wherever you can get it and add value. Right. I, mean, I don't necessarily see that there's one skill that I would try to go. I would say like whoever the like value players are, if they're going to, cause you know, it's, you want to shoot better, but you also want to defend better. So like, you don't necessarily have to do one side of the equation. Right. Um, and and I good think luck was, finding both those things for a guy making 2 million. So, right. I mean, I think the free agent market was going to be pretty weak uh, anyway, but, um, and who knows like what the situation will be, uh, you know, with COVID and all that. But um, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, you know, too like stuck on, like we need another three point shooter or, or the, the old classic, we need a backup point guard. Like, right. You know, I don't, I don't. We need a big. We need it. We need a Donald back. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, like we lost Iguodala, and you know, we lost other good, yeah, some so w- good players there again. <laughs> so, so to 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 close this out before we get out of here, sign more good players. <laughs> oh, you guys cut off. Okay, there we go. Well, then, um, 
Evan, we're going to let you take off now because we're starting to lose connection. But thanks for that. <laughs> All right, guys. Talk nice to you later. I appreciate you, Evan. Take yeah. Care. Oh, uh, that was good. Um, all right, before uh, keep keep going uh, to the next topics, I got to pull up the read. Now it's time for you to do a read, and then I'm yeah, ready. I got to gotta pull I'm ready to get. I'm ready to rant on the kids. Go full. Oh, uh, okay, okay. All right, so all right, so bet online. Uh, while I pull this up, you guys know you guys know how it works. I used bet online over the weekend. I bet I bet on betonline.ag the basketball tournament. Sam, by the way, these guys they're not they're it's D1 solid players. hoop you're a hardcore hoop fan. I would like to say I'm a hardcore hoop fan. This, I needed it. I needed it, man. Like, I, I'm not a college basketball fan anymore because I just, I don't like how shitty the gameplay is. And, and th- this is kind of like that. But my God, I just need to watch some live basketball. And honestly, dude, the Elam ending is, is fucking genius. It Elam is. is, it is. G- it's genius. It's genius. So they do this thing where, I'm going to do the read real quick, but they do this thing where the, with four minutes left in the fourth quarter, um, they essentially take the time off. Whoever has the lead, they add eight points to it. So if it's one, one, to, if it's two to one, uh, you play up to ten, and it's unlimited time. You got to play up to ten, and they change the rules, or they do it where you can't win on a free throw. Um, so even if you get unlike bounce, the All Star game, exactly. Um, so it was really cool to watch some type of basketball. Joe Johnson's in it. Jared Jack, Warriors legend, is in it. Uh, some D one players that you may know, Eric Devendorf. I'm sure Sam, you know him. Uh, he's in Scott it. Scott Machado. So. Scott Machado, one of my favorite. There's players. some he's good players. It. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's fun. You can do it on Bet Online. I won uh, some money actually. Uh, so there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated the NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on the website. Looking for something else other than sports, BetOnline also has uh, casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. BetOnline.ag, use promo code BLUEWIRE, uh, free welcome bonus. One word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. You are a bold man for betting the basketball tournament. Now, I'm not I saying a- I wasn't planning on betting it. I just wanted to watch a round to get a lay of the teams. I wasn't ready to go all in until I saw a couple <laughs> games and kind of you know, made my own assessments on which teams I liked, which teams I didn't. Okay, you have buddies, or maybe you're that friend, but I, you have friends where they are just hardcore basketball degenerates. My best friend knew pretty much every player. He actually won a That's FanDuel can tournament. We have him on, can we have him on next week? <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a total – I just – I don't know. He just loves watching – like, he'll watch the Israeli league that Denny Avdia is playing in right now. Like, he loves that kind of basketball. Um, so, he, he just told me what to bet on. Um, I do so. wish they showed more international games because I will say international hoop has a different feel, um, but it's, it's more enjoyable to watch than college basketball. Uh, yes. I, so, I've watched – more college obviously but i just like the way international basketball is played i i I enjoy and that's the way like steve kerr wants to play right he wants his team well and the other thing college basketball like it's so one and done these days which is fine but like i swear to god it leads to um just over dribbling and big men play like it's just kind of one of those things where you're like, you don't get to see teams after they've played together three years, have a little more chemistry. It's a lot of like, well, we don't know how to play each other. So we're just going to let the, the point guard dribble in a circle. Yeah. 
Um, and and I, you know me, I hate that. I anytime I have to watch ISO, 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 especially when the guy's not great, I hate it. Look, even James Harden, who's like the best ISO player in the league, it's just not that fun, right? Um, and so I'm with you. Like I, I just I like watching. Like, dude, I love Marcus Saul. What does that even? What does that tell you? Like that, I just love the way that type like split cut action, amazing. I mean, it's like you can say motion offense. It's kind of boils it down to something that's too uh, simplistic. But that's just the type of style that that, uh, that is just a lot more. Fun well, it's to also watch. it's just like I mean, you just a lot of hoop is is best when there's continuity, and you can't get continuity when you haven't played together and you never practice which is yep. the direction the NBA is going. And um, it leads to some cool highlights, but like that's about it. It's not an enjoyable game experience, uh, which brings me Ooh, you had a second. to my next point here. Ooh. I have not been this triggered in a long time. Oh, boy. Uh, friend of the show, Jonathan Abrams. Can we call him friend of the show? Uh, the yes, friend of Andy. He, he's the best. He's a friend of Andy. Uh, has a has an interesting article. Um, he's doing the spring of MJ. He's, he's doing like previews of all teams and stuff like that. And here's a quote. I wasn't really able to watch him. I hear all these stories and see the films and clips and things like that. But you actually watch the last dance. It kind of put into perspective why he is who he is, the way he played, the way he led, he carried himself. Why to me, He's the greatest player, um, considered to be one of the greatest players ever. Um, then that was Devontae Graham. Then carrying this further, uh, just actually seeing the documentary, I learned so much. I didn't even know that he won three straight championships. I'm just being super honest. To do things in this league, you have to be super special. That's Terry Rozier. I'm not shocked Terry Rozier didn't know he won titles. Wait, wait, wait. How, wait I, I thought it wasn't quoted. I thought it was anonymous. Nope. <laughs> Terry Rozier. It, but not surprising, but please go, go ahead. I'm going to let you go here for, for a few minutes, please. I've, I mean, I'm obviously getting older, and it's just like I, it, it boils. It, it just boggles my mind that someone can be a professional basketball player and not know that MJ three-peated twice. Now, I totally understand not knowing the specifics, not knowing the numbers, not like fully contextualizing what he meant, but I thought everyone knew he won six. I knew he won six, Sam. I, I'm 20. I'm going to be 29 next month. Okay, so me and Terry Rozier are about the same age, maybe the same. Didn't look it up. But the thing is, it takes a lot to not know that. Um, it, it takes a lot. I didn't watch MJ play at all. I think I watched him play in the Wizards, maybe. But I think my point is, it takes a lot to not know that. Um, I, think, I think not understanding how good he is, I think it's true. I think, like, I didn't really understand how good MJ was. Right. I mean, but it's just like knowing it, for, that. I, I guess if I was a generation younger, it'd be like if I didn't understand... You, um, I don't know, like Dr. J or Rick Bear, someone who like I only know through right. highlights and name recognition. You know what I think? I think Terry Rozier, man. I think Terry Rozier probably met, probably knew that he won back to back three p or two three peats. I think he probably knew that somewhere, but I don't think he actually realized what it took to win two three peats. And you watch that documentary, Sam, and we did a recap every week. You watch what it actually took to win six titles. 
it is not the same as what we see in the NBA today. Good, good or worse, right? Good or worse, whatever. Oh, I would, I would agree. It is the same. I think it's. I think what we saw with the Warriors, what we've seen with teams with every LeBron team, it's hard to win a title. It's really hard to hold a team together by year two, year three, year four, all that sort of stuff. I want to say there was a Jordan quote where he said, like, you have an account. Now the real work begins. He said to Kobe after he won his first title, like, the hard part is keeping the team together. But um, to me, I feel like that's forgotten. Like, everyone kind of focuses on winning one or singular accomplishments. Like, we just watched the entire Warner, Warriors dynasty. We saw them win a first one. We saw them kind of crack in year two. We saw, like, Draymond get the disease of more. We saw, and they should have still won the second one, but we saw how it got even, despite the fact they won more, we saw it got difficult. Right, right. Okay, so. I, and, I then, think- and then we saw three straight years with KD where it slowly fizzled and it wasn't even about the talent. Nope. It's just about like dudes get tired of each other. There's yep. a lot of like, I don't want to do the little things I did in year one anymore. I- I don't think anybody has ever realized that. So maybe that's the point I was trying to make. People have never realized how much it takes to win that, right? And I think today in today's social media where people are just like, maybe you throw the Bulls today and you're like, okay, the Bulls, they got MJ, they got Scotty. Like they're going to win every year, right? They got, they'll pick guys up to win every year. And now it's like, okay, they, they got Steph, they got KD, they got Clay, they'll win every year. But they, people still don't realize, still don't well, it realize. Just, it just takes the humanity out of it. It's Exa- like, yeah, exactly. Like Steph and KD together could win titles forever, but it's not just about basketball skill. It's yes. about keeping the team together. And the one thing we didn't talk about is the injuries. Injuries are a real thing. Like the thing that made 98, 98 was Jordan's worst statistical season, just to be clear. But he played 40 games without Scotty. He he carried an unfathomable load for a 35 year old. He led, he led the team wow. in minutes at 40 minutes a game at that age and just carrying him as Scotty's feuding as Dennis Rodman's flying to Vegas as like nothing against Ron Harper or those guys, but that's like, you know, they're 35, 36. It's like Andre Godal at this point. It's like, we know Andre can play, but like, does he have the legs to play every night? Well, that's a different question, you know? By the way, you can also you also see what LeBron's trying to do, who's also thirty five, and and he picked this year um, to kind of basically play every minute or, or as many minutes as possible, um, and you can see that's I think the kind of narrative that he's trying to form. Um, though though your point is that he Scotty didn't play forty games, right? So so I think that that that's yeah yeah. I mean, it's just it's hard. If Scotty was upset about his contract situation. And I, honestly, he had every right to be. But, you know, it's hard to keep a t- team united. And maybe that can't work in today's age. Like, in today's age, Scotty would have just forced his trade, right? Uh, but <laughs> That's true. But with all that said, you know, there, I think it's harder winning that many in a row than it is moving around and winning titles. Um, I think that that directly coincides with the lack of power that MJ had the guy had a lot of power but compared to the power that players wield today or are willing to wield um it, it's just different it's different he, he was stuck under the ownership that he was stuck under and in today's world Devin Booker can request a trade tomorrow and he's getting traded despite the fact that Devin Booker has never shown that he does anything that wins basketball games um 
so that that's that's where we're at today <laughs> uh, good or bad I, I don't know that that's up to the viewers. Um, but, but I think that it kind of shows because I think that the viewers are kind of disenfranchised with watching the league um, because they're like, well, we don't know who plays with who. Um, and when they, when they play with, and they also don't care if players don't care, why do we care? That goes with the Warriors too. the last few years. It's Twitter gets excited with players moving teams. And I get it because I do too, but there's a lot of people out there who aren't, scrolling online over every move and they kind of want to know it's like wait what team does Kawhi play on wait what what team is on now huh where did they play what you know like that sort of thing like you kind of need point. a little more continuity to get the casual viewer and that's kind of where the nba is stuck at this moment but you know we'll see we only have hardcore viewers that listen to the uh <laughs> podcast so by the way like i would say maybe out of like 10 people like 10 of my friends um the percentage that actually keeps up with all the NBA Twitter stuff, maybe three. Yeah. Four, that's, that's four, right. right. So like maybe, so the minority for sure. Um, but uh, we could do this all day. <laughs> Which topic do you want to get to next? Um, let's go into, so this past weekend was the 4th of July. Um, something cool happened on the 4th of July in 2016. I stayed up all night, Sam, uh, when that happened. <laughs> I, I legitly st- I fell asleep for a couple hours and woke up because like, we were told that it was done. But you never know. You just don't know. You, you, you felt good, but you didn't, you, you didn't want to. In the back of your mind, you're like, nah, he's not really going to do it. No that. way. No. Yeah. So no Kevin way. Durant signing at the Warriors. Uh, talk to me about what you thought when he signed. I thought they'd win like eight titles in a row. Um, obviously, we were pretty sad over the Warriors losing. And that was kind of always the interesting part is I don't think Warriors fans ever actually dealt with the loss of, of uh, that championship in 2016. You know, everyone was sad and, and, and it sucks that the Warriors lost. But literally less than a month later, they picked up what was, you know, a top two, three player in the NBA. Um, and, and I felt like all that depression and stuff like that, that you got to process never happened it, it never happened because the Warriors didn't have to deal with any of that they immediately went back to becoming a favorite and an overwhelming favorite um and and so I think that that was part of that was part of I think like the the joy of this of this dynasty is that there really was never any uh the two losses never really like you didn't really have to deal with it that much I, at least in my opinion because even against Toronto you just felt like well, they the Toronto lost one I just felt bad like yeah. one KD mm pulling his Achilles or, you know, tearing his Achilles. I was like, Oh, it's awful. And then when clay tore his ACL, I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't even care. Yeah. Ex- take, exactly. take your title Toronto. You know, right. it's just kind of like, I just felt bad for those guys. Cause I knew they wouldn't even play basketball for another year. And that's unfortunate. And like, honestly, that Toronto team was better than anyone gave them credit for. And I kind of, I feel bad for them. They didn't even get a chance to defend it properly. Cause if they had Kawhi, would you not put all your money on them repeating? They're the favorites right now. If they had Kawhi, they are the favorites with OG. They might win. Back. They might win seventy games. I mean, yeah. well, they they wouldn't play enough games to get there. Kawhi would play. Um, yeah. But the point is, they they would have been. I don't know if they'd have been as good as the fifteen sixteen Warriors, but they would have had that type of like second year energy where you're like, oh no, they're now they have the confidence. That's a great point. And. They would have, you know, if we got a full season, they would have probably won like 
67, 68, 80, and 70 Ooh. games, something crazy like that. And they would get the chance to do it. Um, and they may still make a deep playoff run without Kawhi, which just speaks how good they are. But obviously, I can see with them Ka- beating Milwaukee, by the obviously, way. Obviously, with Kawhi, they would have been a force. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're the, they're the favorites. I think, I think they're the big favorites if they still had Kawhi. I mean, Kawhi with Pascal Siakam, Fred Van, like those guys didn't drop off. Like Fred Van Vliet wasn't a fluke. Like the guy was a borderline, not in the East, but he was a borderline all star this year. He's averaging, eight, he's averaging 18 and six. Eighteen six is nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Kyle Lowry is fucking annoying, but he's good. So he's he's good. Marcus is a winner. My guy, uh, Serge Ibaka is a winning player. Yep. Uh, they would have probably kept Danny Green. He's good. God, uh, they would have had team. OG. I mean, they would have been deep, man. They would have been very deep. Yeah, yeah. And and here and by the way, we'll go into a little more about KD. But you think of that team, and you think of. 16, 17 Warriors, which is, you know, if those guys were healthy, the Warriors are winning that in five. Like, that's the crazy part, isn't it? Like, the Warriors, despite how great that Raptors team, you're saying, like, they win 60-plus mid-60s. And I'm telling you, I can almost guarantee it, that if the Warriors were completely healthy, they beat the brakes off that that Raptors team. It just doesn't matter. That's how good the Warriors That could have been an excellent rivalry. That could have been an excellent rivalry if KD comes back, Clay comes back. You know, maybe it wouldn't have happened this year because of the injuries. Actually, it wouldn't have happened this year because of the injuries. But like going forward, we could have seen that repeat a few times. It would have been really interesting. Yeah. Um, with that said, yeah, EA player empowerment. Um, uh, what, what do we want to move to next? Uh, all right, let's let's talk about this. Um, let's talk about uh, the second bubble. Um, the the NBA. We can make this quick, but the NBA they. For some reason, Sam, they felt like they needed to... Nobody asked for this. Look, I get the NBA wants regular basketball back again. I get it. I want to watch James Harden, LeBron, and Giannis play. But they threw out a second bubble for the teams that aren't in the playoffs, and the Warriors are included. And Bob Meyer said, if it comes to pass, we might do it. So uh, what are your thoughts? Summer League. Um, I mean, I, I would like to me. I look at it like summer league. Like, am I down it. to watch Jordan Poole, Eric <laughs> right. Pascal, and those guys play against like uh, Cam Reddish? And you know, I probably John no one's even going to play. Probably no Trey Young, but like Kevin Herter. I watch yeah, Kevin Herter. I'd watch it. Um, we watch anything though. <laughs> is it is it worth the risk? Probably not. Yeah. It, like how much money are they really like? I would assume it's a money play. Uh, that's the only. That's the only thing that they're doing it for. Um, would the players want to play? I mean, probably. I mean, Jordan Poole would probably want to play, right? I, I, th- I would. I would say the majority of these players probably. And particularly want to play. the the younger players need the reps. Yeah. Like I'm sure, Pascal Poole, Smile Geach. Um, I mean, Chris might even play. Mulder, Chris. Yeah. All those dudes are down for more reps because they haven't established themselves in the league. You know, Steph, uh, Steph will probably chill. Yeah, if Steph, yeah, Steph is not stepping two million miles near that bubble. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'd watch it. You and I would watch it if if it comes, if it happens. I actually don't know if it will happen. I think typical Adam Silver, right? He throws that out there just to see what the what the public thinks, um, despite the fact that the public is probably not Twitter. Um, Classic Adam Silver. So we'll see what happens. Um, but but the Warriors probably won't play. Um, I got an interesting topic for you. So most most players in the in the NBA are coming out of quarantine and saying they're in the best shape of their lives, Sam. You know, classic training camp quotes. 
Um, DeAndre Ayton, your favorite prospect of last year's draft. <laughs> uh, by the way, Sam, Sam bitched to me every day about DeAndre Ayton. I'm like, dude, I don't even care about DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> These are lies. I think I said twice I wouldn't have taken him in the top three. Yeah, that's pretty pretty bad, though. Uh, he is the only player that I've read that said he did not spend all of quarantine getting them in the best shape of his life. He actually said that he spent a lot of it playing games and that people were <laughs> telling him that he should be working out. Um, he also hedged and never, said that he Never did. a good sign. Never a, a good, good sign that you had to be pushed. Like, we, you know, maybe Jimmy Butler is a little overboard with the IG stories at 3.30, like rise and grind. But, um, <laughs> but if you were to ask me which would I prefer, the guy who's a little, like, obsessive with the IG workouts or the guy who's like, yeah, I mean, they, they told me I need to work out more. <laughs> I'm taking the first one. <laughs> yeah, just, DeAndre, just lie. There's no reason. So it comes, the question for me to you comes to who do you think is more likely here to show up to the season out of shape? Like, who do you think is showing up? Just compl- you just look at him, you're like, that guy's not ready to hoop. Pablo Sandoval. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> I got re- to reel it back. <laughs> um, the most ridiculous pictures I've ever seen. By the way, Andrew Bags, um, is he a friend of the program? Don't know. Um, tweeted out a picture of just, I don't. How are you that fat? I just don't understand. I have no he, words. Just, I will just say he can get away with it because A, no one's expecting anything from him anymore. Right, right. B, he's already sealed his legacy with the Giants fans. C, yeah. they're playing for nothing. So right. there's like, it, it's the perfect storm for it to be lovable. Like, ha, ha, ha. I guarantee you if the Giants were like a team looking to contend, they would not think it's so funny. But you know what? It's it's life. By the way, he 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 uh just just the guy, just elite swindler, um, after he left the Giants, just signed a massive contract with the Red Sox and he got paid seventeen million dollars, got cut. So he was getting paid for the Reds from the Red Sox to pay play with the Giants. Yeah, it's it's uh Oh, it's a good one. Remember when he burst his uh, belt while taking it? That I forgot about that. That's just uh, that's a next level move where your belt gets uh, explodes because you're too fat. Uh, um, uh, one of the one of the greatest partiers uh, in in the Bay Area, Pablo Sandoval. And like the thing is, he's just a lovable dude, right? Like you just can't hate. How can you hate the guy that just smiles that much? Like he's got a little baby face going on. He, he's a great guy. I can never get on the guy. I don't think anybody hates Pablo Sandoval actually. Uh, besides, no, maybe- like I said, it's everything's everything's a product of your expectations. If if Aaron Judge showed up like that while the Yankees are trying to compete for a title, it's it's a storm. If Pablo Sandoval shows up at age 34 off Tommy John surgery on a team projected to be in last place, it's funny. Sam couldn't couldn't wait to throw the last place dig in. Yeah, it's uh, not, it's, they're building for the future. It's okay. <laughs> uh, so who do you think is coming in out of shape? Carmelo's a good candidate. Candidate. I'm looking at I'm looking Ooh, at some names here. I think it's got to be someone younger because I think the older guys at least know their bodies well enough that. Mm, good point. If they want to, they will. Like Chris Paul's not going to be out of shape. Mello probably won't be out of shape. Like none of none of the guys over 30 are going to be extremely out of shape if they think that something is on the line. 
Um, You'd have to think it's on the, maybe like a fringe playoff team, right? Because I don't think it'd be on one of these like contenders, like the Clippers, where like these guys are right. trying to win a championship. I don't, you know, I, I don't know if it'd be on, on, on some of these teams, but, you know, kind of looking through it, you know, maybe somebody on the Wizards. Yeah, maybe someone on like the, the Sacramento Kings. Oh, it's um, always the Kings. The answer is always like, the Kings. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a tough call. I mean, like I can't see our guy Harry B being out of shape like that. He's too <laughs> he's too diligent. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I mean, we we watch Buddy Heald. Uh, get I can't corona. Even see him. None of those dudes. Yeah, cor- <laughs> he'll be fine. <laughs> the the guy gets Corona after playing in a packed gym. Uh, uh, with people, and you're like, okay, that's not surprising. Um, but yeah, a lot, a lot of these. Uh, it's, it's, it, which goes to show you, by the way, just how bad that quote was by DeAndre. And I think if you're looking for a player that is a face of the franchise, keep in mind they drafted the guy with the first pick. We're not a Suns over podcast. Luka. Over Luca, over, over Trey. I mean, at least if you got Trey, he's still not Luca, but you know, he, he's pretty good. Yeah. Um, what can, what, what can you do? Um, all right. Uh, next one. Uh, <sighs> we got some uh, mailbag pa- questions, right? Ooh, no. Yeah. 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 We have a lot. All right. From Scotty Pippen. <laughs> Thoughts on replacing the normal intro with the David Guetta beat. I mean, why haven't we, why have we, why haven't we done that yet? Ben, <laughs> come on. <man. laughs> that, that just, that just needs to be a thing. Um, and it, it needed to be done last week. All right. Uh, what's next? What would an Aaron Gordon trade look like for the Warriors? I I know they would have to trade the TPE for an expiring contract and flip it for flip it for Aaron Gordon. But what else would the Dubs have to add? 2021 pick, 2020 pick swap from uh, Phase TNR. Um. um Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say they for sure have to give up their f- – I don't know if a pick swap's getting it done, but that's where I would offer and then see where it lands. So a pick swap would be like the Warriors give up their top 15 pick but get Orlando's number 15 pick plus Aaron Gordon. I think that's fair. I could also see Orlando being like I need more than that. So that's kind of where I'm sitting on it. Um but I don't know. It's all this is speculative until we see where the league defines their economics for next year. Like if the cap falls or teams are really hurting, then we could be really talking about some teams looking to cut talent for less value just to get off of contracts. Uh, if it's a situation where the league is going to help float the money, maybe teams are a little more stringent in terms of not letting go of their talent just for the sake of it. It's all in flux. We will talk about it for the next four months every day because we have nothing else to do. Um, yeah. All right. Let's move this forward. From our guy, Jonathan Ma. Option zero. So Jonathan asks... When Steph and Giannis team up, an octagon agency has assembled a team of ex-NBA dudes and personalities to push their agenda on ESPN and Fox, who should they hire? This is a great question. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. By the way, easy answer for the first one. 
Andre Iguodala. Oh, good, good call. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Andre Iguodala is the guy. He's retiring in a couple of years. Maybe he plays one more season with the Warriors on a minimum contract. He's the guy. He he already does job for Steph. I think maybe he does a pro bono. Um, but but you pick Andre Iguodala. Um, who else do you think? You know, it, will it be after some ex like ex Warriors? I think is easy. Are there are there guys that aren't on the Warriors, maybe retired that you think would be up there? Who would stand for Giannis and Steph? Yeah. Um, any Spurs guy would. Ooh. I want to hear the logic behind that one. I think anyone who plays in a motion-based offense where it's a little more um, about analyzing the game in terms of indirect impacts versus, you know, he puts me in a pick and roll and physically dominates me is going to appreciate what those two bring. Um, I'm trying to think of guys right now. If, t- also, if Tim, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Duncan's a good one. I also if, think some of the younger point guards – would also be great for this. Um, or not even younger, but point guards who aren't um, – maybe someone like a Kyle Lowry. He's not mm-hmm. younger than Steph, but he understands how good Steph is. Maybe wow, maybe someone like a uh, Kemba Walker. Yeah, that that be that that would I think Kyle Lowry is a uh, a great one. Um, you just, you saw the type of respect that he had for Steph in, in that NBA Finals. Um, great game six that he played. Uh, you know what I think? I think I think ex coaches that aren't Mark Jackson. <laughs> I think guys that that just they know the game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, people hate on NBA coaches, but most NBA coaches know basketball. You know, people roast. Uh, you know, even Derek Fisher, but like Derek Fisher knows more hoops than any of us, all of NBA Twitter combined. Um, and I think a lot of these NBA coaches do know just how much it takes to be like Steph Curry. I think a lot, I think the main part is like, they think like, Oh, it's easy. It's easy to kind of uh, a deal or it's hard to deal with guys uh, that just don't want to listen to coaches. And I think Steph is different. Steph is someone that wants to play, um, that wants to play uh, on on the ball and off the ball, and willing to sacrifice and willing to kind of be that player, and that just that's not a lot of NBA players nowadays. I think that's the most important part. That's just not a lot of NBA players um, that just want to win instead of thinking about themselves. Okay, um, I agree with you. All right, so uh, Jonathan also asked, talk about Denny's recent play. So we got some good Denny talk with with Evan. I think Evan's point on the free throw shooting is is legitimate. Um, I don't know where I stand on him. I'm intrigued by him. Um, in a normal draft, I wouldn't consider him in the top five, but you know, this isn't a normal draft. Um, but I also think that we may be getting a little too hyped on some good performances versus mediocre Israeli teams um, just because we have no hoops and seeing him score 20 points seems like a big deal. So I don't know where I stand on him. Like everything, everything needs to be a value proposition versus the other players, not versus Zion or Anthony Davis or normal top five picks, you know? Yes. Um, I, I'll give my Denny take again. Um, I, I still stand by this with some reserve with a little bit more reservations now, but I think you're always going to draft the projectable wing versus a, a miniature point guard or, um, a center. Also, I would project. I would like to draft someone who has the playmaking chops and a feel for the game versus someone that doesn't. And I think that Denny has more of that than someone like Halliburton uh, and and maybe even Anthony Edwards. To me, where you look at Denny, you're like, he can play in Steve Kerr's system more so than anyone else. 
and he's not just a system player. You, you can see he's, he's got a quick release when he wants to. He'll recently look slow because he's wide open. Um, and, and a lot of the playmaking stuff to me is like, well, he can probably average five, six assists in Steve Kerr's system. And, and that's uh, also a an, an high IQ type of thing. So I'm always going to draft that type. I'm always going to want that type of player versus someone that I'm hoping that Anthony Edwards becomes – you know, I need to see his shot more under pressure because I'm not as worried about the release because he's tall. He's closer to 6'10". Than he is size 6'10". matters, by the way. So to me, that's like big, right? Because he's 6'10", he can handle. Like Paul George does not have a quick release, but no one bothers Paul George's shot. KD didn't even have a quick release. KD's but KD, 7'5". But KD can, he can, he can take as long as he wants because no one's going to bother him. Nope. So that's where I'm curious with him. I'm intrigued. It's hard to find a 6'9", 6'10 guy who can handle, create, and shoot. Yeah. And even if they have other warts, I mean, if I told you he became Danilo Gallinari, how happy would you be? I mean, that's that's a borderline all-star. Yes, that would be be amazing. I mean, I I don't think he'll be that. I mean, well, I don't know if he'll be that good. But um, Gallinari's really good. You're right. He's really good. Yeah. Uh, Gallo also shot 80% in Europe on free throws. So... You had something, that one ready to go. Sam. Something, something to keep in mind. You had that one ready to go. Uh, we got like 15 more questions, so maybe let's take one or two more. <laughs> I have to answer this one for uh, Jonathan Ma again since he asked 10 questions. We're only going <laughs> to answer three, though. Sorry, buddy. Legend. Yeah, by the um, way, John, I'm saving the K-pop one for another day. Not today. I'm not ready for that one. Premium? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said thoughts, no premium, too. Thoughts on SF food scene. Top cuisines, overrated, underrated, etc. Oh, you got to go first. Come on. First off, the SF food scene's not overrated. It's excellent. Who now, says it's overrated? Yeah. It's, no one, no one says it's not overrated. Now, let's see. What is... What do you think's the best cuisine in the city? I'm gonna, Obviously, I'm going with Mexican. I think there's just so many good taquerias and burrito spots. It's always going to be my go-to. I feel like you have a different answer than me. I... Is it... Okay, so my top cuisine, it, it coincides with just my favorite cuisine. Sure. I just, I just like Vietnamese food. I just think I just, that's the best. Um, I mean, it is excellent. Pho, uh, rice bowls, uh, or rice plates, sorry. Um, just anything associated with it, it's just, it's, it's the best. Um, it's hard to have bad Vietnamese. Like it, it, even, even a mediocre place, it's still good. Yeah, and I'm biased. Like a lot of my friends are Vietnamese, and some of them own restaurants, right? Uh, like my buddy who owns Bodega Bistro, he's just fantastic. In the tenderloin, just fantastic food. It's so, so I, I just think it's, it's to me, it's the best. And the thing is, like, okay, Korean's great, but like LA has better Korean. You know, Japanese is great, but maybe New York has better Japanese. By the way, LA and New York, right up there, food scenes, right? But Vietnamese, Correct. I think. This, the community of the Vietnamese community is probably the biggest, I think, in San Francisco, I want to say. So uh, that's what I'm going with. Can't go wrong. And it's affordable. Like the thing with like Japanese and some of these other cuisines, it's like fucking expensive. So like Mexicans, like, right? Like Mexican food. Yeah. Is, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those like, I can find you a great restaurant in yeah. every cuisine, but yeah. can I find you a great restaurant where you can walk out the door with like a $12 meal that's amazing? Yeah. No. Yeah, so I that that matters. Like I'm door dashing something, although you don't want to door dash foot. By the way, a big no no if you're door. I don't think actually I don't think Sam ever has, but like some people door dash for like they they get to go fun. I'm like, Oof. I have I have gotten it to go, but that's more of a quarantine thing. You don't really have a choice, right? That's true. Um, <laughs> it's not it's not the preferred method of consumption though. There it, objectively, it's better in person, and there's no uh, there's no debating that point. 
All right. How about your favorite uh, restaurant? So that could either be the Mexican restaurant that that because uh, that's your favorite cuisine, or just any like it could be a Persian restaurant. But just your overall favorite. By the way, I don't ever even have Persian. In, in- oh, I gotta give you some Persian. Mekade yeah. in North Beach is okay. like the longest standing Persian restaurant in the Bay Area. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it has like the nostalgic factor to it's. It's damn good. Don't get me wrong. All so right, I'm gonna right. go with that. I gotta. I gotta give a shout out to the ancestors. Nice. Um, it's. It's just a food coma. It's not cheap, though. I like, love per- food coma. Persian food's not cheap because it's uh, it's a kebab's expensive. It's, God, it just that. it just is. So. All my old coworkers. It's, from it's, it's a it's a um, it's a scale of expensive. It's either like a little more expensive than you want to pay, or just expensive. By the way, Sam has reached the uh, before you give your favorite restaurant, Sam. Sam has reached the. Um, the stage of his life where where he can wear like a like a dress shirt with maybe two buttons and some flip flops and he's he's selling you uh he's selling you <laughs> stuff <laughs> he's selling you stuff that you probably shouldn't get but do need uh when you're partying so uh that that's where Steph, that's where Sam is uh in his Shut life <laughs> all right well, what's uh, your favorite spot is it that one are you going with that one what's your favorite yeah, we're, we're, spot? I gotta go with it oh Mexican that that rotates for me um Latak, hmm. you're gonna be basic. You're gonna go with Latak. That's what everyone goes with. I like Latak though. It's good. Yeah. What's your favorite burrito spot? Uh, Guadalajara. Um, there's one in the Mission. There's one. Guadalajara in- is excellent. Yeah. It's um, one of some, I've been eating that for like a decade. It's just. It's just. It's the original little Chihuahua is always good. Yeah. Um. All right. If you can't think of any, you can, you can think. I'll, right, I'll give you. Text. I'll give you I'll give you my favorite uh, I'll give you my favorite Vietnamese spot or my favorite spot in the city. It's in the sunset, shocking. Um but it's it's a spot on like thirty third, thirty-fourth, I wanna say it's chicken pho. It's literally in Vietnamese it says chicken pho. Uh it's right across from that Noriega, that Safeway across Noriega. Um it's like two blocks down. Um just a really small spot. They always run out of chicken broth. So I always end up just getting chicken pho with beef broth. It kind of defeats kind of the purpose of it, but it's fantastic. So I'd recommend people. Oh, see, I always like the beef broth. That's my go-to. Yeah. It's, um, first off, they're both good, but I just feel like I have more chicken broth based things outside of pho and I never make beef broth. Um, cause I'm just not that good a cook. So, so it's always like, yeah, you you know what it's like when you go out and you're like, you want to order something you can't get somewhere else. Yeah, that's true. That's That's true. And then that's maybe why I didn't choose Chinese. Um, all right. What else do we have here? <laughs> yeah, that's why I didn't Fair enough. Me. Fair enough. What else do we do? We have one more, or are we are we saving? We some have of these? a bunch of questions here. We're going to answer a bunch of them on premium. Yeah. Um, let's do one of these before we get out, though. Okay. Okay, I like this one. Ob or Wiseman or a vet center. What's the best way to go? Also, talk a little about twenty twenty one draft. Stuff like we should not draft Wiseman and hope for Mobley in 2021. Okay, I want to start with this. Obi, Wiseman, or a vet center? What are your thoughts? Um, vet center, without a doubt. Why? Um, so I think you get – there's not enough upside with – okay, I get James Wiseman's upside. We just talked about it with Evan. You don't get enough. He is, he is a physical outlier. You, you, you don't, just don't get, find guys that size who move like yep. that. Yep. And I and honestly, if they so I would I would go Wiseman above Toppin. I think you can a Kongwu. I like a Kongwu a lot. Correct. Too. I would rank them a Kongwu Wiseman, though I don't care if they draft either one. Um and then Toppin. Just just because 
the fits better with those guys. Also, in today's NBA, you win more with Wiseman and, and Okongwu rather than Toppin because you build around Toppin. You don't build around Wiseman and Okongwu. Uh, that's just right, right. Um, Wiseman, if he, if he develops, you can put him in any lineup. You don't have to consider him. Yep. Toppin, Toppin. you almost have to cover for him. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah especially defensively. And it's like with Steph, you cover for Steph defensively a little, like a little bit, especially in the playoffs, but Steph is the greatest fucking offensive player of all time. So you deal with it. Um, so I, I think you get the vet center. And, and of course the vet center to me is Marcus all, but you get that guy because at the end of the day, I think you find someone like Toppin or Wiseman, you get 80% of that guy. Do you not think Sam that Marcus Marquise Chris is at least 70% of James Wiseman is for the next like two, three years at the very least. Perhaps. Um, I think he's 90% of Toppin. But my thing is, you have Chris. Looney's 24, although he has a body of an 80-year-old. Like me. Smile Geach is like 12. Um, How many project bigs do you need? Because if you draft Wiseman, you're still going to need to sign a veteran center. And I'm not saying you don't do it, but you better feel very confident Wiseman in three years is going to be special and not just another rotation big because that's my biggest thing like it's really hard to validate taking a big in the top of the draft unless you think they're going to be anthony davis Embiid, carl anthony towns someone who's that substantial and i'm not sure any of these bigs are i'd rather just get the vet for cheap yep yep i agree with you uh there's a second part of that question though uh, should we not draft Dreisman? Hope so. Twenty. He wants to talk about the twenty twenty one draft. We'll do, uh, we'll future, do that next time. Yeah. Uh, future Warriors rotation. Yeah, but twenty twenty one draft. By the way, we'll end it with this. Um, we talked a little bit earlier. Um, one of the best drafts I think in the last decade. Um, and the Warriors have a top three protected pick. So, I think whoever that they that that draft they have to nail more than this draft, in my opinion. Because yeah. that draft, they have a guy that you actually could say he's a star. Look, they draft a Kong Wu. He's not a star. I don't care. You draft Anthony Edwards. He's not a star. Sucks, but you can't really say it's the Warriors' fault that he's not a star. Maybe you can. But with next year's pick, if you get Jalen Green with the fourth pick and you mess that up, then we might have a problem. So that's what I got. All right, man. We'll do this again next week. All right, bro. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody up. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. 
The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com